Hey there, this is Brian Zond, and welcome to my sermon podcast. I'm glad that you're interested in the sermons that I preach here at Word of Life Church in St. Joseph, Missouri. And if you ever feel inclined to help us by supporting us financially, you can do that at our website, wolc.com. Thank you. All right, so um, coming up in, in August, this is last Sunday in June, Coming up in August, Finding God in the Music. And I've got, the, I got six songs. There's five Sundays in August. We'll take it one Sunday into September. I've got the songs picked. It's a great secret, but that's coming up. But right now, it's No Ordinary Time. That's a statement about the time in which we live. It's also kind of the banner I'm preaching under these days. No Ordinary Time. And when it's no ordinary time, you know what you need most? What you need most is the word from heaven. And so I'm really putting effort into trying to discern the word from heaven. I believe I have it today. The word from heaven. Isaiah chapter 55, verse 1. Ho, everyone who thirsts. Come to the waters, and you that have no money, come, buy and eat. Come buy wine and milk without money and without price. I've been thinking about exile all through this period, this period of time where we were exiled from our, from our house where we gathered together. We went 12 weeks exiled, and we're still kind of exiled, you know. It's, it's not all clear yet. So I've been thinking about the exile, the Jewish experience with exile that we read about in the Old Testament. And this poem that is Isaiah 55 comes from that time. It comes from Isaiah of the exile. And it is a poem, a prophetic poem written to the exiles who are about to return. They have been in exile in Babylon for more or less 50 years. Some longer, some not as long, because there were several waves of deportation. And so the exiles arrived at different times. But let's just say about 50 years they've been exiled from their homeland far away in Babylon. But now King Cyrus has said they can go home. And they're about to return to a place that most of them have never been. They're going to go home to a place that... That's an that's a unusual turn of phrase. I'm going home to a place I've never been. That's, that's the experience of most of them. A few of the old people, a few of the real old people, you know, have memories in their youth of being there, but most of them are going home to a place they've never been. And, and Isaiah, by the Spirit of the Lord, is preparing them because it's going to be different. And so uh, home that they're going to go to back in Israel is very different than what they have known in Babylon. And so what Isaiah does is he evokes the idea of a street vendor saying ho or hoy or as we say in English, hey, hey, I got wine. I got milk here for sale. Wine and milk for sale. I got wine. Are you thirsty? We got wine. That's an inside joke there. Perry gets that one. Are you thirsty? I got wine. I got, I got milk. This is, this, is a, this is a street vendor out there hawking his goods. Milk for sale, wine for sale. 
But in Babylon, you know, I mean, that's, those are symbols of abundance. The land of milk and honey and, and wine is a symbol of abundance and the good life. But in Babylon, who, who, who among these Jews can afford milk and honey, milk and wine? I mean, remember, they are, they are refugees. They are exiles. They are cheap labor for the empire. They are a permanent underclass. And wine and milk is beyond their reach. They don't get much of that. That's the good life of Babylon that they cannot access because they're refugees, they're exiles. They're cheap labor for the empire. They're the permanent underclass. But now the idea is it's not just some Babylonian guy out there selling milk and wine. It's Yahweh himself. The God of Israel saying, I have milk, I have wine. Come buy milk and come buy wine. Well, I can't, I can't afford it. It doesn't matter, it's free. I got milk and wine for sale. How much is it? Nothing. You just have to say, I want it, and I'll give it to you. I'll, I'll call it you buying it, but all you have to say is, I want it, and I'll give it to you. That's the picture that Isaiah starts off with, that the God of Israel is saying, hey, are you thirsty? Do you want something? Do you want some milk? Would you like some wine? Come buy it. It doesn't cost anything. It's free. Well, that is a way of the prophet saying, home with the God of Israel is way different than anything you've known in Babylon. Things are going to change a whole lot for you. Because uh, they're going home to the... They're not going to be in Babylon with the kings of Babylon. They're going home to the, to the kingdom of Yahweh, to the kingdom of God. And things are a little bit different with the kingdom of God than they are with the king of Babylon. Let's pick up the poem in verse 8. This is again, this is Yahweh speaking. For my thoughts are not your thoughts. Nor are your ways my ways, says the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. So Babylon, the empire, insists that their way is the only way. That's the way empires are. They're just like, the way we do it is the only way it can be done. We are the ones that are wise and knowledgeable and we do it the best and we do it the only way really it can be done. That's, that's Babylon, that's empire, where imagination is not allowed. Because, you know, Babylon is full of pretense and Babylon pretends to know everything. And so why would you imagine some other way of doing it when they already have it the best they're already number one. They're already, you know, king of kings and all of that. Kingdom of kingdoms. But God is telling these Jews who have grown up in Babylon, in one sense, that's all they've ever known. I mean, they have their scriptures. They have their heritage. But as far as just life, as far as living, all they've ever known is Babylon, the vast majority of them. And God is saying it like this. All right, you've lived in Babylon. You've seen how Babylon does things. Let me tell you something, folks. This is God talking. I operate on a whole other level. Amen. Like, you know, Babylon's here and, and, and Yahweh's like here. No, 
Yahweh says, ah, my thoughts really aren't your thoughts. My ways aren't your ways. My thoughts are higher than yours, like about as high as ooh, the heavens are above the earth. How far are the heavens above the earth? Well, you, you can go for billions of light years and never run out of it. So this is Yahweh saying, you're going home, you're coming home, but it's going to be different because I'm operating on another level that is billions of light years higher than what you can even think. That's what's, that's, that's what's being said here. So um, the exiles have only known Babylon. In Babylon, in Babylon everything's about uh, consumerism. You know, that's life. That's, that's Babylon's total lack of imagination that they pre- pretend is the best way you can do things. And everything is for the consumer. Consumer, so you have to have, be greedy and you have to work, 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 and make more, 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 and try to keep up with the Joneses or whatever they call Joneses in Babylon. And, and so, you, so you have the markets and the consuming and the greed and all that. And you begin to, and then, then you got to have an army to protect it all. So it all turns into consumerism and militarism, mammon and Mars, Wall Street and Pentagon. That's all there is. And so God says, you know what? I don't even think that way. My thoughts are like a billion light years higher than yours. So in Babylon, a billion dollar bomber may make sense. It makes no sense to Yahweh. And so he says, you're going to have to learn to think a different way. That's why he starts off by getting their attention. Wine and milk for sale. How much is it? It's free. What? That just blew my mind. That's the way Yahweh is operating. So they're going home, but when they get home, it's going to be different. Verse 10. For as the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return there until they have watered the earth, making it bring forth and sprout, giving seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word be that goes out from my mouth. It shall not return to me empty, but it shall accomplish that which I purpose and succeed in the thing for which I sent it. All right. Now, because almost all of the Jewish exiles that are going to go home now have never been home, they've never been there, um, they can't even imagine what God is going to do. And what God's will is and what God's purposes are. Because God's ways, God says, I'm operating a whole other level, billion light years higher than yours. So you'll never be able to climb up and figure it out. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to send my word to you. My ways and my thoughts are a billion light years higher. You'll never be able to think your way to it. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to send my word to you. It'll come, this is the word from heaven. Up here, up here, a billion years higher than you can ever think or imagine I've got my purposes, my word, my intention, my logos. But you could never reach it, so I'm going to send it. I'll send it like rain. I'll send it like snow. It's going to come down from the heavens. It's going to come all the way down to your level. I'm going to send my word to you because you you could never climb up here and get it. Don't worry about it. I'm going to send it to you. It's going to come down from the heavens like rain and like snow. And when my word comes among you, what it's going to do is it's going to bring forth fruit. 
It's going to bring forth goodness out of the earth. It's going to bring forth the things that you desire, really, the things that Babylon promises and just never delivers. It's going to bring that. And you know what? God says, it will succeed. It will succeed. I will not send my word, and then it come, the word comes back and says, sorry, didn't work out. He says, no, I'll send my word from heaven. You could never reach it. You could never climb up here. You would never understand what I'm trying to do. So I'll just send it down to you. My word will come down to you, and my word will not come back empty-handed. It will succeed in the purpose for which I sent it. Amen. Let's finish the poem. Verse 12. For you shall go out in joy and be led back in peace. The mountains and the hills before you shall burst into song. And all the trees of the field shall clap their hands. Instead of the thorn shall come up the cypress. Instead of the briar shall come up the myrtle. It shall be to the Lord for a memorial for an everlasting sign that shall not be cut off. So the word of the Lord is you're going to go home in peace and joy. I know, I know you came. You came from the promised land into exile with sorrow and anxiety. Sorrow because you'd lost everything, anxiety because who knows what the future holds. But now you're going home. And you're not going to go home with sorrow and anxiety. You're going to go home with peace and joy. And then the prophet imagines that, that the mountains and the hills are watching the exile. It's a long, it's a thousand mile journey. They're, they're watching them make their way home and the, and, the, and the mountains and the hills start singing about it. They're so happy. The mountains and the hills are so happy that the people of God are going home to the home of God and they're singing about it. And then all the trees, they begin to notice and the trees begin to, oh, let's give them a standing ovation. They're going home. And the prophet says, the things that caused pain, like thorns and briars, are going to be replaced by pleasant things like the cypress and the myrtle. It's a beautiful picture of the return from exile. You'd, you'd gone out with sorrow and anxiety. You're going to come back with peace and joy. Creation itself is going to celebrate what's happening. And the things that have caused pain, the things that have pierced you, and cause pain, thorns and briars, they're going to be replaced with things that are pleasant, the cypress and the myrtle. It's a beautiful picture of homecoming. But when the Jewish exiles actually began to return to Israel in 539 B.C., were they really home? They're back in the land. But they're still dominated by foreign powers. The Persian Empire, and then the Seleucid Empire, and then the Roman Empire. They were home, but not really home. In a very real sense, they were still in exile. So, so, maybe the word from heaven that does not return empty, but, it, but succeeds in the purpose for which God sent it, is not a sermon from Isaiah or a passage from the Bible. Maybe it's something else. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Genesis 1.1. John 1.1, in the beginning, was the Word. 
The word. The word. The logos. The word. The plan. The purpose. The intention. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. The word was in the beginning with God, and all things were made by the word, and apart from the word nothing was made that was made. And in the word was life. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness does not overcome the word. The true light which enlightens all the world was coming into the world. And the word became flesh. The word became one of us. The word came down to our level. Because God's word, God's thoughts, God's plans are as high as the heavens are above the earth, so high are my thoughts above your thoughts and my ways above your ways. We could never figure it out. We could never achieve that kind of thinking. So the word comes all the way down to us. The word comes all the way down to us. Not as a sermon, not as a text, but as a person. John chapter 3, verse 13. No one has ascended into heaven except the one who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. Jesus is the Word. Jesus is the Word from heaven. Jesus is the Word of the Father. Jesus is what God has to say. Jesus is the wisdom of God that is higher than the heavens are above the earth in any way we can think. But that word comes to us. No one has ascended into heaven and and known the mind of God, but God sent his word. He sent his son. The word became flesh and came down on our level so he could bring it to us. No one else could be the Word of God. Now, an apostle, a prophet, perhaps a preacher on a good day can bring a word from God. But only Jesus Christ can be the Word of God. An apostle, a prophet, a preacher on a good day can bring a word from God. But Jesus Christ is the Word of God. That's a whole lot different. Jesus is the Word from heaven. The Word that we could never reach. Brought down to us as a human being. This Word has come to the earth as salvation because salvation is not a plan. Salvation is a person. Salvation is not a plan. Like with bullet points. Well, here's my plan. Like God, you know, sends us a, a fax. Do we still have faxes? I think we do. Now and then. God sends us a fax. With, but here's the plan, guys. Salvation is not a plan. If it's a plan, it's a plan that is infinitely high that we could never understand or achieve or, or rise up to. So God sends the plan, but the plan is a person. The plan is a logos. It's his word that it comes to us as a person. Jesus Christ. Now the moment the word becomes flesh in the virgin womb of Mary, 
The moment the Logos by the Holy Spirit is united with human flesh and the Word is made flesh, the salvation of the world is a foregone conclusion. Why? Because the Word will not return empty without accomplishing that for which God sent it. God said, I'm not giving up on the world. It's my world. It's good. I'm going to save it. I got a plan. It's my son who will be made flesh and dwell among them and bring my salvation. Now, the moment the word becomes flesh, the salvation of the world is a foregone conclusion. Now, the story has to unfold. It all has to play out, but it will because the word that goes forth from God will succeed in that for which he sent it. Indeed, John 3, 17, Indeed, God did not send the Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through Him. If the only thing God wanted to do was condemn the world, He could send a prophet to do that. Moses can do that. Moses can condemn the world. Habakkuk can condemn the world. I might even be able to condemn the world. World, you're condemned, thus saith the Lord. How hard is that? But that isn't what God's doing. Yes, the law comes by Moses, and the law can bring condemnation, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. And of His fullness we have all received grace upon grace. Just think of endless, the endless tide, the endless waves that never stop. They just keep lapping upon the shore. The grace of God infinitely being poured out upon the earth to save it through Jesus Christ. Jesus is the Word of the Father the word from heaven, the word that doesn't return empty, the word that succeeds, the word that saves the world. I'm going to tell you a story. It's an absurd story. But I thought of it this week, so I thought, okay, I'm going to tell that. About 15 years ago, I was in India. This is when I was going to India a lot. Almost every year, went 14 times. And I would conduct pastor's conferences, very large pastor's conferences, and uh, evangelistic meetings all over India, mostly in the north, mostly in the north, but I've been all over India from, from Kerala to Kashmir. And I love India. About 15 years ago, I was in India. I was in New Delhi. It's a big, big, big major city. And I was stuck in traffic in a taxi which is a common occurrence there. I was in a taxi. I was in New Delhi, stuck in traffic, and I was just sitting there. I remember this moment very clearly. And sitting in front of us was one of those big Tata trucks with the horn please thing on it. I've, if you, most of you have never been to India. A few of you have. And you see those all the time on these, on all these trucks behind you. It's horn please, which means, you know, if you're going to pass or, as they say, overtake. So the truck driver, and believe me, they do it. Huh. It's like, guys, can you lay off the horns a little bit? And so I'm sitting there, and I'm looking at the back of this ta-ta truck, horn, please. And I'll tell you, what's, this is absurd, okay? This is absurd, but this is what was going on in my mind. i got to save India. <laughs> i got to save, but I wasn't laughing. i got to save India. I mean, you know, India needs to be saved. i got to save India. feel like i got to save India. Oh, Lord, I can't save India. Now, I don't know if I was really thinking that. I think I was, actually. I was certainly feeling that. I was feeling like, i got to 
Save India. I'm here, you know, doing these pastors' conferences and, and preaching the gospel. I gotta, gotta save India. And, and it, was, it was a heavy weight. Because I then realized I can't do it. And then, I know this is crazy. You're thinking, you should, just should have talked to somebody, Pastor Brian. Uh, but then it, then it came into my little, my little brain, a, a thought as high as the heavens are above the earth, finally reached down and entered me. And it's like, you don't have to save India. That's Jesus' job. I was like, oh, whew, that takes the pressure off. <laughs> so, so Jesus, you're in charge. Oh, you're, you're the Savior of the world. Oh, yeah, I think I read that one time. Um, well, if you'd like me to help, let me know. And I just sort of, Tyrese, I just, I just, oh, okay, Jesus, you be the Savior of the world. And if, and if you'd like to, me to help, if you'd like me to do anything, you know, get you a cup of coffee or whatever I can do, just let me know. And uh, it changed my life. So when I begin to feel pessimistic about the way things are in the world, and lately I've had opportunities to do that. Right. When I begin to feel pessimistic about the way things are in the world, I remind myself that the world will be saved because God did not send the Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him would be saved. Huh. So the world will be saved because Jesus is the Savior of the world. The word of the Father, the word sent from heaven will not return in vain. It will succeed. That word is Jesus. He's not going to fail. Now this is not an excuse for apathy or inactivity. Rather, it is an invitation for us to joyfully join the Savior of the world in doing what he's doing. But the pressure's not on us. We don't have to do it. We can just, can I, if I, is, can I help in any way? I know, I know you're saving the world, and I know the world will be saved because you succeed in what you do. But if you'd like a, if I could assist in any way, just, just I'll be right here. I'll let me know. And Jesus may say, yeah, I'd like you to do something, if you don't mind. The word sent from heaven that will not fail. The word of the Father that will save the world is not the Bible. It's not a sermon. It's not the Torah. It's Jesus. I'll show that to you. John 5, verse 39. I'm going to stop preaching a little bit here. I'm looking at the clock. But I'm kind of liking it, so I'm going to go a little. John 5, 39. You search the scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life. And it is they that testify on my behalf. Yet you refuse to come to me to have life. Forty-five years ago. You know, you have these moments you remember. Some, some, you know, there's just moments that you can remember. Sitting behind a ta-ta truck in, in India, horn please, and thinking, I gotta save India. I can't save India. Oh, wait a minute, Jesus needs to save India. I'll just help. And 45 years ago, I remember where I was in the house. It was on a Sunday morning, and I remember my dad explaining to me how the Bible could become an idol. And to be honest, 
I didn't understand it. What? How can that be, Dad? I don't, I don't think I argued with him. I just thought, well, that, that, that doesn't make any sense to me. But, you know, I was just a kid. All these years later, I understand. The Bible isn't God. The Bible can't save you. Jesus is the Word made flesh. Jesus is the one that saves. The Bible isn't divine. It's holy, but it's not divine. It's holy, but it's not divine. It means God. It's not God. Jesus is divine. Jesus is God. Jesus is the perfect Word of the Father. If you'll expect a little less out of the Bible, not expecting it to be God, not expecting it to save you, if you expect a little less out of the Bible, you get a whole lot more out of it. Because what the Bible does perfectly, what the Bible does best is say, hey, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. That's the one. That's the one. That's the one. Jesus. Don't, the Bible says, don't trust me. Trust Jesus. Don't ask me to save you. I'm just a book. There's the Savior, though. I can point you to the Savior. That's a big shift to make. And Jesus invites us to make it. And then he says, he says, you know what? In my Father's house, there's plenty of room. John 14. In my Father's house, there's lots of room. There's lots of rooms. There's plenty of room. And I'm going to go and make room for you. And if I go, I'll come back and I'll receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. Jesus is the one who ends the exile. Jesus is the one who brings us home. Not the Torah, not Moses, not Isaiah, not me, but Jesus. Jesus is the one that takes us home. Jesus. Okay. Let's bring it in for a landing. Let's just go till we can't go any farther. Let's go all the way to the end. Revelation. How many chapters are in Revelation? 22. Yep. Let's go to Revelation. Bible scholar out there somewhere. Revelation 22, verse 16. It is I, Jesus, who sent my angel to you with this testimony for the churches. I am the root and the descendant of David, the bright morning star. The spirit and the bride say, come. And let everyone who hears say, come. And let the one who is thirsty come. Let anyone who wishes take the water of life as a gift. And now we're all the way back to where we started. That's Isaiah 55. Are you thirsty? Come on. We have what it is you are actually born for and longing for, and it's free. So are you, are you I'll say it this way, are you, are you tired of Babylon? Have you figured out, you know, Babylon is full of it. Babylon makes all these promises they can't deliver. Babylon is a, is a con. It's arranged for a few at the top, and even the few at the top aren't even thriving. Their soul is withering. It's a con. And I'm tired of it. I'm tired of the high cost of living in Babylon because Babylon takes a toll on your soul. And so the Spirit and the bride, the Spirit, the Holy Spirit in the church say, Hey! Are you thirsty? Come on. We got wine. We got milk. We got living water. How much is it? Uh, Jesus paid it all. It's free. Just come to him. 
Just come and say, Jesus, save me. Jesus, help me. Jesus, heal me. Jesus, I'm dying here. Jesus, I want out of the rat race. I'm not a rat. I'm a child of God. Take me home to be with you, Jesus. I don't mean die. I mean come home in the Father's house because Jesus has a room for you. He's prepared a place for you. There's room for you. Come, come, come. The Spirit and the bride say, come. I'm part of the bride. And I'm saying, come, come to the Father's house. How do you get to the Father's house? Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. We come to the Father through Jesus. So, Lord, I pray right now, I pray. I pray for people to come to Jesus, people here and people online. I pray for them to say, you know, I'm just, I'm going to, I'm not going to try to figure it out because as high as the heavens are above the earth, so higher God's thoughts above my thoughts. I'm not going to try to figure it out. I'm going to trust. I'm not going to try to figure out how to solve the problems of the world. All the problems, all the problems, all the problems. I'm going to trust Jesus. I'm going to say, Jesus, you're the savior of the world. You're the savior of my soul. I put the world and and my cares and my life and my soul in your hands, Jesus. You do the saving. I'll cooperate as I can. But Jesus, you saved me and you saved the world and I want to be a part of what you're doing, Jesus. Jesus, take me out of Babylon. Take me home to the Father's house where the milk is free and the wine is free and the water is free, where you've prepared a place for me. Thank you, Jesus. Amen and amen.